Hey, welcome to another Enneagram podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yet another Enneagram podcast. But this one's different. Another Enneagram podcast is here to help you be a better leader for your team. We know leadership is already challenging enough, and it can be downright frustrating when your team communication breaks down. Another Enneagram podcast is here to tell you stories of leaders just like you who are learning how to lead their teams better with the Enneagram. If you want your team to communicate better, be more productive, and love their jobs, another Enneagram podcast is for you. Hey, welcome back to another Enneagram podcast. You got your hosts here, Ryan and Cody. Uh, Cody, I know we've been recording multiple things in the same time frame, even though these are coming out on different weeks. So I'm just going to ask you the question again, even though we've already talked about it. What's going on? (laughs) Man, just hanging out in Arkansas. Uh, We are on week three of our trip back to the south. And uh, we'll be heading out in a few days. But, man, it's been so cool just to be back with family and hanging out with friends, getting to actually record face-to-face <laughs> with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, man, it's been a super special trip. Yeah. Well, we've been uh, glad to have you around for a little bit. Um, I Today's episode is a recording of a kind of boot camp workshop thing that I did a few weeks back with, uh, with some different business leaders and owners. And so, uh, of course you know, right now, I don't know when people are listening to this, but right now what's going on in the world is a global, you know, health crisis pandemic that kind of precludes us from meeting face-to-face very often in large groups of people. So this was an online uh, webinar format kind of workshop. And, and yeah, it was just really cool. There's a handful of business leaders who jumped in on it. Um, I don't really know where to go before we play this. Any thoughts from you before we jump into the workshop was this your first time getting to do kind of like a virtual it was not um, okay but it's the first one that i recorded okay uh, and so i've done several online workshops uh, kind of every one of them geared towards a different group of people some of them it was just anybody that wanted to learn about enneagram uh, this one particularly was for like business owners and leaders mm-hmm. right and it was intro to the enneagram plus how enneagram can help your business and your team. Really cool. So it, it was a little bit of both of those. Uh, there's actually the video version is on our YouTube channel. So in the webinar, I used a bunch of slides and things like that. And so if you want to check those out, you can go to our YouTube uh, page and find the video there as well. That way you can see all the, the graphics sure. and everything too. So yeah. yeah, it turned out great. Got some good input from the people on the call. And so wanted to share it in podcast form as well. Yeah. yeah, I think this would be awesome for people who are wanting to check out, um, you know, or take a deeper dive into what it is that we're trying to get at with um, another Enneagram podcast and even Evergreen um, and uh, maybe step into some coaching or maybe, yeah. um, you know, a boot camp type uh, event. Yeah. So this will be a cool kind of like uh, little um inside scoop yeah you know into that world so yeah so if you know of anybody that that leads a team or owns a business that you think might be interested in some enneagram stuff do us a favor and and shoot this over to them if they listen to podcasts if they don't do that but they would watch a video go over and share the youtube video with them that would be great we would appreciate that uh so without any further chit chat from (laughs) us uh here is the enneagram and business boot camp Hey, uh, everyone, I'm glad you guys are here. Welcome to this Enneagram Boot Camp. 
Um, I'm excited to get started with this. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about two different things, um, the Enneagram and your business. And so if you haven't met me already, if I haven't got to meet you, my name is Ryan Mayfield. Uh, I'm a team consultant and Enneagram coach. Uh, the name of my company is Evergreen. Uh, Evergreen provides Enneagram-based soft skills training and leadership coaching to help your team thrive uh, in every season. And so you can find more about that uh, if you're interested on my website. It's evergreenteams.com. That's E-V-R-G-R-N teams.com. Uh, and so just to get started, I want to take a quick poll. Uh, and so if you are available to turn your video on, I'd love that at this point because uh, I would love to get a little group interaction on this. So uh, if you can, uh, let me know, maybe just by a quick raise of hands, uh, how many of you know what your Enneagram type is? Raise of hands there, anybody? Okay, maybe. Some, some, some less than confident hand raises there. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, how many of you have never heard of the Enneagram or know almost nothing about it? Yeah, okay. Uh, and then how many of you are at that stage where you're like annoyed by somebody that keeps telling you about the Enneagram and you're just ready to actually find out what it is? Yeah, I figured we'd have a couple of those at least. <laughs> Good. Well, regardless of, of where you're at in this, uh, I'm excited that you are on this call. We've got a good mix of all of those. Uh, and so before we dive any further into that whole conversation, I want to ask a question of you guys that has um, that requires no Enneagram knowledge at all. Uh, and so this is a great point to unmute yourself if you got something to say, uh, or you can type it into the chat box. I'll try to keep an eye on that as well. But the question is this, what motivates people? Start listing things off that motivate uh, people, either people you know, yourself, people that you work with. What motivates people? Okay, uh, Becca said recognition. I'm going to write these things down as they come in. Again, feel free to unmute. Uh, Caitlin says purpose. Yeah, that's great. Let's see. Becca says security, money, connection. That's a great one. What else? Ability to go fishing on a Friday at noon, says Caitlin. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What else? What other things motivate people? Reaching goals. That's a great one. Good health. Absolutely. What else? Cheryl, I know you can talk. Unmute yourself and add to the conversation. Hey, everybody. What motivates me on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning is to go play pickleball. <laughs> pickleball. Okay. Why do you like to go do that? Great community, great exercise, um, gives you a little bit of competitive edge, just makes you feel good. I just got back, and it's just wonderful. So you said community, competition. Mm -hmm. Those are great exercise yeah yeah i put health down on my list here what else um think about the times that we're in right now what what are, things are motivating people these days learning technology <laughs> that's a great one learning yeah i would say uh oh let's see becca says here seeing my kids grow and learn that's so good that's, 
That's really good. Um, so just, you could say others, you could be motivated by the needs of others. Absolutely. Yeah. What about things like justice or doing what's right? You know, that motivates some people. Anything else you guys can think of that, that motivates people? Give just a few more seconds here. If you think of anything else, feel free to chime in or type it in. Here's what I want to show you guys is that um, I don't have to teach you a ton about Enneagram to get started because you're already pretty familiar with a lot of the things that uh, that make it up that are kind of at its foundation, right? And so here's what I want to show you. This is a perfect introduction into the Enneagram, right? Because the, the Enneagram is a tool for understanding personality in ourselves and those around us. And so at its core is the idea that everyone is motivated by different things. And these motivations translate into our thoughts, feelings, actions. And when we can understand core motivations for ourselves and others, then we can begin to make sense of and, and work with the different expressions of those motivations of people's thoughts, feelings, and actions. And so you came up with all these different motivations. And now I want to show you how they map onto the Enneagram. So I wrote these things down. You may or may not be able to read them very well, but I wrote them in a specific spot because you guys listed almost every single thing on the Enneagram. And so I'm going to write now some numbers next to these so you guys can see it, right? And so I wrote these nine numbers in this circle around by all the different things that you said motivate people. And so I'm going to share my screen with you now and show you how that lines up. If you're familiar with the Enneagram, then this uh, won't be too crazy for you. Here we go. Do a little screen share. So this is the Enneagram uh, as a, a symbol, as a diagram, right? And what you'll notice is each of these nine different personality types all have kind of different motivations, things that Cheryl, like you said, get them up in the morning, right? And they, cor they correlate or align with all of these different motivations that you guys listed out already, right? And so that's what this whole thing is about core motivations, about what gets people up in the morning. And if you can understand that, uh, then, then you can communicate with people and connect with people better and actually motivate people based on what motivates them, not just on, you know, what motivates you, right? So any uh, thoughts or questions on that so far before we kind of keep going? That's, uh, if you do have anything, feel free to, to unmute or type in the chat box there. We'll try to get to it. Uh, but what you see here is, is one version of what an Enneagram diagram looks like. And while we don't have time to go into every single little bit of it today, um, all of the connections to and from each number on that diagram contain some really specific information uh, and you'll notice that each number is accompanied by a title. Now, these titles will vary depending on the illustration that you see um, or who you talk to will give you different names for different numbers. Uh, but the underlying motivation for each number will remain the same. And so based on our conversation so far and on your previous experience with the Enneagram, I'd love to hear from you guys a little bit now, um, whether, again, you've you've done this before, or if this is your first time, which of these kind of core motivations do you most identify with? So again, feel free to unmute yourself or add it in the chat box either way. Optimist for sure. 
yeah, three and eight for me, achiever and challenger. Okay, yeah. And I'm three and one. Three and one, okay. That's Amy. It's got to be Amy, right? I think that was Amy. No, that was Becca. Oh, that was Becca. Cheryl's a four, three, and eight. Four, three, and eight for Cheryl. Okay. What did you think I was a perfectionist, Jacob? Is that what you said? <laughs> Amy Jones. My I wife. Number one. Right. What? My wife in the background said, that's Amy Jones, right? I said yes. <laughs> well, it wasn't actually, but I am number one and number four. Is that weird? A romantic individualist and a perfectionist? <laughs> Not at all. In fact, you see that the one and the four have a line that they share. Uh, and so they actually do have some stuff in common. So. I've never actually completed an Enneagram test, so I don't know what I'd actually test out at. Those are just the things that stand out to me at the moment. Yeah. And that's great. And there's uh, a good little note there to be discussed is that, you know, Enneagram tests, some of them can be really good. Some can be really horrible. Uh, and a lot of people uh, will say even that you shouldn't use them. Uh, I'm kind of in the middle on all that. I think there are good ones that you can use, but you certainly don't have to. And so, you know, Amy, if you say you are a one or a four, then I trust your judgment on that, right? Like nobody knows you as well as you do, right? And so um, I would be willing to bet that you are probably one of those numbers. Uh, and so, yeah, that's... Um, Let's see, Chris here, he says perfectionist, oh, and he's got uh, Brady watching achievement. So a one and a three potentially there uh, as well. So uh, I myself am, am a one for sure. There's uh, no doubt about that for me. I like to get things just right. And man, it just drives me crazy if, if I don't, right? Uh, and so, yeah, keep that in mind. And one of the big rules that I uh, say when I'm doing Enneagram stuff is you're always allowed to disagree with a description of your number or uh, especially if you used a test to get your number. Um, and like I said to Amy, nobody knows you as well as you do. And so if something doesn't fit, then find something that does, right? If it's not helpful, don't worry about it. Find something that is. And so I think the Enneagram holds a lot of really good helpful uh, information potentially for people. And so uh, what I want to do is take a quick pass at each one of these uh, nine types, right? But before we do that, I want to bring up something that you probably all have, have heard of before, and that is the golden rule, right? So anybody feel like uh, elaborating? What is the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Absolutely. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, most people have heard of that. You know, most people will teach that to their kids or, you know, some, something like that. It's a pretty fundamental thing for, for most people. Uh, but if we stop and think about the golden rule long enough, uh, it might actually begin to sound a little strange and almost self-centered. Uh, here's why. What if others don't value the same things as I do and therefore don't want to be treated as I do? So I'd like to introduce you to something that you may be less familiar with. It's actually called the platinum rule. And I didn't come up with this. This is something that uh, different people have written about. Whereas the golden rule says, treat others how you want to be treated. The platinum rule says, treat others how they want to be treated. And it's subtle, but it can make a huge difference. And what we have in the Enneagram is a way for you to understand not only what motivates you, but also what motivates those around you, how they want to be treated, uh, people in your business and on your team. 
So um, it's great for that, but you can also use it to better understand what motivates your customers so that you can better meet their specific needs. So there's a lot of application here for you, your business, and your team. So one more question before we kind of dive into each of the nine types. Why would it be important for your team to be able to better understand themselves and those around them. Love to hear you guys' thoughts around that. Again, feel free to unmute yourself, add to the conversation, or type it in the chat box. I feel like if they can better understand the motivation of those around them, then they're a little more compassionate when there's friction. You know, mm-hmm. there's, it's easier to go, oh, well, their motivation is coming from a different place than mine is, but it's what feels like friction is not actually a bad thing. It's just, we're coming from two different realms of operation, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because if you don't know that and somebody does something that doesn't line up with your motivations, it feels like what they're doing isn't making sense and they're doing it wrong. Right. But when you understand they're starting from a completely different place, then things kind of start to make sense. And even if you don't agree with it, you can still understand it, right? Uh, Cheryl, you are going to say something? I was just going to say I've learned to ask a lot of questions. I can't help people unless I know where they're coming from, and that's part of understanding their personalities. And um, if you come at a person in, in a different way of what they're used to, they take offense, and now you got friction. So asking questions, I think, is a good thing in learning, you know, what people really need so you know how to treat them and how to work with them. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Chris typed in the chat box here. He says, uh, better communication between team members and clients, uh, better meet the needs of team members and clients. Yeah, absolutely. You can understand when you can understand what people need and want, you can be better at giving them what they need and want. It's, it sounds really simple, but that's hugely impactful, right? Yeah. Any other thoughts uh, why it would be important for your team to be able to better understand themselves, those around them? More productive if you know how to talk to your team. Yes. Yeah. Jacob, why is that? That's great. Because some people get their feelings hurt easier than others and they respect your opinion more if you're doing um, your best to make them feel like a contributing member to the team. Right. right. Absolutely. I, I like to talk about it in terms of language, right? Like I think everybody on this call is probably a first generation English speaker. I'm guessing, I mean, Cheryl speaks Cajun. I don't know if that's the same as Eng- English, but, um, but you know, English adjacent at least. But you know, what I've noticed is that when we travel to other countries, places that speak other languages, Uh, Americans are really bad about something. And that is, uh, we want to speak English all the time, right? Uh, It's, and it's the funniest thing. I mean, it's funny and sad at the same time, right? But like when you're somewhere that doesn't speak English and you can tell who the American is because they just want to know, where is the bathroom, bathroom, you know, like as if they'll just say it slower and like more expressively, people will just automatically understand what they're saying, right? Uh, but we do that all the time. And that's kind of what Jacob is talking about. Like the way we talk to people, if we only talk in the way that makes sense to us, it doesn't connect. Right. But if you can put yourself in someone else's shoes, be on you know their side of the table, understand what motivates them, the way you talk to them will actually make sense. It's like learning someone else's language. 
right? And you connect with them in a much deeper, better, like real way uh, that can make a, a bigger impact. And yeah, just like Jacob was saying, like it is more respectful and uh, just better for everybody, right? So let's uh, keep going here. Uh, and at this point, you know, I have to warn you, the, the rabbit hole, as it were, goes kind of deep. And I could literally teach about this for hours. Um, I've done an eight-hour, like one-day, eight-hour training with a company before, and we still didn't have time uh, to, to cover everything that the Enneagram has to offer for a team. Um, so, for today, we're just going to skim the surface. And to do that, I want to talk about each of the nine Enneagram types just a little bit more in depth uh, and then we'll have some time for Q&A at the end. And so I'm going to click through some slides here, and we're going to talk about each of the nine types, right? So type one, sometimes called the perfectionist, or another word that I like is performer. I know besides myself, we had a few people on here that identified potentially as a type one. A few things to know about the type one uh, is that their kind of core need is to be perfect, to be right, to be accurate. Uh, and for me, as a type one, I know this is so true, like always having this drive to try and make things just a little bit better, right? I had a, a former boss of mine tell me that about myself one time is that that's just how my mind works. Like I walk into something, a, a system or whatever it is, and I want to make it better. I always joke about buffet lines. No one knows how to set up a buffet line right. If they would just put me in charge of it, I know the best way to do that, right? Uh, and so they're always trying to make it better. Uh, some characteristics of ones is that they are usually very organized and dependable. Um, they're also, though, highly critical, especially of themselves. Now, that will eventually overflow into being critical of others, but they're very, very critical of themselves, uh, first of all. Uh, and then ones are also really rigid with systems. They sometimes have trouble whenever somebody's not playing by the established rules or uh, not doing what they're supposed to. That can really cause some frustration for a one. And again, I will attest to that being the case with myself. And so, yeah, for the ones on here, that's uh, just a short summary of what an Enneagram one is. And uh, yeah, we'll go on to the twos. So, type two, sometimes called the helper uh, or advisor, and twos have a core need to be needed, right? They need to be needed by others. Uh, and this is awesome. They love meeting people's needs, helping people out. Uh, one of the kind of superpowers of a two is this extreme sensitivity to others' needs. There's no number besides a two or like a two that can sense what other people need as much as they can. It's like they have just a sixth sense for it and they always know before anybody else. Twos are usually really eager to help people. They've got this kind of servant-hearted nature. Uh, but the flip side of that is that twos usually have more trouble than most at asking others to help them, right? Because again, there's that core need to be needed. And if you need other people to help you, then you're not the one helping others, right? And they need to be needed by people. And so, because of all that, sometimes twos, uh, they struggle to actually do their own work because they might be too busy doing someone else's or helping someone else with something. So, that's the type two. Type threes, which I know we've got several of those on here as well, sometimes called the achiever or the performer. Uh, and I think maybe Becca, somebody said recognition right, as one of the things that motivates people. And that is, for the type three, the core need is to be recognized, right? They want to perform, they want to achieve, they want to win. And so, they want to be recognized as that. 
superpower of a type three though, is that they are just really this utility player, right? They can play just about any role that, that is needed, right? If there's a gap that needs to be filled, even if a three doesn't know how to do it, they can probably figure it out or at least fake it well enough uh, to make it work, right? They're a utility player. Threes are usually very efficient, task-driven kind of people, right? To-do lists are one of the love languages of a three. But unfortunately, sometimes uh, that ranking of tasks above people can come into play as well. And threes can tend to see emotions or other, other people's feelings as very inefficient, right? Uh, I don't have time to feel sad about this. I don't have time for whatever this is. I've got to get this thing done, right? And so because of all that, uh, sometimes threes can be really um, difficult for, for people to get to know, like to really know. Like you might know a three, you, you've seen a three. It's almost the difference in uh, knowing someone versus knowing about someone, right? There's a lot of celebrities I know about. Uh, I know very few of them, right? Uh, Jordan easily here says uh, emotions as inefficient. That is me through and through. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, threes can, can definitely see emotions as inefficient. So, so that's the, the short uh, explanation of threes. Type four, type fours are usually the rarest uh, people. I don't get to interact with very many of them. One is because there's just generally less of them. But two, and this is just a half joke, I suppose, is that fours tend to hate the Enneagram more than any other number. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and that's because they want to be unique, right? That's the core need of a type four. And th- stuff like Enneagram or any of these personality type things makes them kind of feel like they're being put in a box and labeled. And so they tend to, to not show up to these kinds of events. <laughs> uh, but that's what they, they want. They want to be unique and different and bring something to the table that nobody else is bringing. They want to have a unique skill set. Uh, and so superpower of type fours is that uh, they're usually really, really creative and, and honest. And not that other numbers aren't honest, but, but fours are so real and raw and want to be um, just as authentic as they possibly can uh, at all times. And so that can be a really cool gift. There's a lot of the, the greatest like songs and poetry and, and films and things that you have uh, encountered. A lot of them have uh, people that are fours that are involved in the creation process of that because they can express reality in a way that uh, some of us just, just don't understand at all. Uh, a really great thing about some fours though, is that they often see problems from a totally different angle, right? If you're stuck in something and trying to figure out a new option, fours are who you want uh, to talk to because they see things totally differently than, than everybody else. One of the flip side though, the, the bad side there is that fours can sometimes get caught in what I'll call like an emotional roller coaster, right? If you know anybody that it's like, it's either everything is sunshine and rainbows or everything is like thunder and hail, you know, uh, and that's kind of the emotional roller coaster they live on. Um, they could be a four. Now, if you have a teenager that's that way, don't know that they're a four, think it might just be that they're a teenager. Uh, but uh, that's how fours a lot of times end up being is incredibly emotional. They're very emotionally in tune, but they can also be driven back and forth by their emotions. So it's uh, flip side of the coin there. When fours get really unhealthy, one of the things they can tend to do is kind of withdraw, especially if they feel like they are not unique, if they're not bringing something special 
uh, to the team that other people uh, might also be bringing, right? And so that's that's the quick overview of the type four. Type five, sometimes known as the investigator or the thinker, like it says there, uh, their core need is to know, right? They need they are these sponges that just absorb knowledge, right? They need to know. They're the best people to have on your trivia team, no doubt, right? Uh, and that's because they just know all sorts of things. You you wonder like how do you even know that? And then fives will generally look at you and wonder why you don't know that. Uh, and so, but they do, they just know a lot of stuff. And sometimes that makes them these kind of sought after experts in different subjects, right? People go to them to find out information. But one of the downsides of fives is that they can often be slow to make decisions, right? Fives feel like they need to have a really high amount of information before they can make a decision. And so that can cause them to, to take a lot longer than some of the rest of us would prefer, right? And when a five is really unhealthy or struggling with relationships, uh, what they do is sometimes revert to being judgmental, especially if they... Uh, believe that there's nothing for them to gain if there's not anything for them to learn from a group of people, then it's really easy for fives to be like, I don't have anything to gain here and want to move on to something else. So that's the type five. Type sixes, sometimes called the loyalist or the guardian. The core need of a type six is to be secure, to be safe, right? To feel uh, protected or, or, or guarded. Um, they're always looking out for the group though. That's one of the wonderful things about sixes is that sixes have this um, kind of attitude where they're looking out for the good of everybody else. Uh, and and are, they're usually very calm under pressure. This is kind of strange because not under pressure, sixes, a telltale sign of sixes is some worst case scenario thinking and anxiety. But what's crazy is when something actually happens, whenever uh, one of those worst case scenarios maybe comes to pass, sixes are usually really calm because they've already thought about it, right? The rest of us are freaking out, wondering what we should be doing. And they've already made those plans back whenever we thought they were crazy for thinking about it, right? Uh, and so they, they do get caught up in that though sometimes. And if they don't process that in a healthy way, sixes can really easily become overwhelmed by that anxiety and kind of be frozen in that fear um, or even potentially lash out if they're pushed too hard by somebody to, oh, just get over it, you know, uh, or something like that. Right? So that's the type six. Type seven uh, is sometimes called the adventurer or the enthusiast. As Jacob said from his boat on a lake, uh, he, he does like some things about the type seven. So not a big surprise there. Uh, but here's what's crazy about a type seven that most people don't know is a lot of times, Type sevens with all their energy and all their excitement, a lot of times what they're trying to do is to avoid pain or maybe a better way to say it would be to avoid difficulty, right? Uh, sevens love the brighter side of life, but when it comes to difficult things or boring things, sevens are just like, uh, I would rather go do something more fun, right? And so they can either procrastinate or be flaky with that. But one of the great things about sevens is that they tend to bring a lot of joy and energy to a team, right? Uh, I, I can think of different sevens that I have worked with, and they always are enthusiastic and bring energy that I just honestly don't bring. And so I need sevens to help kind of pull me along into that. They generally have a positive outlook on things. Um, 
you know, and again, that's, that's not how I am. And so I love having a seven around because if I'm trying to be a realist, you know, uh, then sevens can actually help, you know, get my head out of that sometimes that can be depressing and, and give me more of a positive outlook on things. But like I said, they tend to struggle uh, to deal with difficult or boring things. And if they get put to, you know, if they have too many boring or difficult things put on them like that, uh, then they can sometimes be flaky or, or non-committal about things. Right? So that's the type seven. Type eight is sometimes called the challenger or the advocate. Right? And type eights, the defining thing, the core need for them that motivates them is that they need uh, to be for or against something. Right? Eights like to fight and they like to fight on behalf of people or on behalf of causes. Right? Uh, they're these justice-oriented people who, who are willing to stand up, you know, stand up to the bullies and fight back and push back against things that are wrong in the world, right? Uh, one of the great superpowers with type 8s is that they really don't have much of any fear, right? They're willing to fight on behalf and stand up for others, especially people who can't fight for them themselves. Uh, Caitlin says, my husband just threw his fist up in the air and said, that's you. <laughs> That's great. Uh, And so, yeah, no fear. Eights are usually really passionate and determined people, right? But the downside of that, if they're not careful, is that eights can sometimes bulldoze uh, well-meaning people, right? Not even people that they're fighting against, but maybe people that just aren't quite as passionate as they themselves are. And eights tend to try to carry the weight of the world on their own shoulders, right? Uh, that kind of acting like a little bit of a superhero, which sounds good at first, but the reality is that we're not superheroes. And so a lot of times that attitude will lead to burnout, but even more than that could lead to bitterness against other people uh, that they at one point were really trying to fight on their behalf for. Right. So that's the summary of type eights. Type nine, come around to them finally here. Uh, they're sometimes called the mediator or the peacemaker. And the core need for the type nine is to avoid conflict, right? Nines don't want to rock the boat, right? They don't want to make waves. Uh, Jacob, that's not a reference to you. That's always what I say, regardless of if there's anybody on the call that's in a boat. Uh, but they do try to avoid conflict basically at all costs. The superpower for type nines is perspective. There's no number that can see everybody else's perspective like a type nine. Uh, And so that's a really, really incredible thing, especially when you're talking about a team who needs a mediator, right? Uh, Nines just have that ability. Uh, Nines are usually very encouraging in how they do that, and they can lead discussions really well, again, because they can see everybody's perspective and help kind of coalesce everything all into one one thing that flows together easily. The downside, though, of nines is that they can sometimes be really easily swayed. I tell people, basically, don't ever ask a nine what they want for lunch or for dinner because they just want whatever you want, right? And so, if you change your mind three times, they are also going to change their mind three times because most nines are just cool with whatever you want. That sounds great, right? And their temptation to can be to kind of blend in and keep quiet. They either think that their opinion maybe doesn't matter or, again, they're trying to avoid conflict and don't want to rock the boat, cause conflict. Uh, and so, sometimes they'll just keep their mouth shut and try to blend into the, the wallpaper a little bit, right? So, uh, that's the nine types. Now that we have examined kind of each of those, and I'm going to uh, go back to just this screen of me. 
So yeah, now that we've gone through each of those nine types, I'd love to hear if there's anybody who thinks that maybe their initial number that they identified with wasn't right. Or if now you're like really doubling down and like, yeah, that's definitely me. Uh, so yeah, feel free again, unmute yourselves or type in the chat box, whichever you like. Uh, how are you feeling about your number that you kind of picked out earlier? I went back as you were going through them and like looked at my results from the test. And it was like, once you got to nine, I didn't really see myself as that. But then that was one, like two and nine are like right there, very similar on mine. And I'm like, yeah, I am that person that's like, what do you want to eat? I don't know. Like, I don't want to make the decision yeah. <laughs> sometimes, you know? Um, so, but yeah, I, and like with all of this stuff in the media right now, I'm like, I'm not going to, I don't want to post a lot and I don't want to rock the boat because I've seen both sides. Dang, if you do, dang, if you don't. So I'm like, I'd rather just stay out of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cheryl, you were going to say something? Well, I'm just looking at my numbers from last time. And so I'm definitely a four first and then a three okay. and um, figured out my husband's a nine. I ask him every day what he wants for supper, whatever you want. If we are out and about, what do you want to stop and pick up? Whatever you want, you know, drives me nuts. And I think I got, I know we got a little bit of everything in us, but if I had to pick a third number for me, it would be a two. I'm the helper. I like to help people. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of what I was thinking. I knew eight and I think my test results said eight and three were my top. But as you went through them, I really feel like I'd trade three in for two, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Who else? This is Becca. I am a three through and through. <laughs> yeah. What makes you so sure about that, Becca? Um, I mean, I tell my kids I don't have time for your crying all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I live by lists and I literally will put things on my list that I've already done for the day just so I feel accomplished by having being able to mark it off the list. Yes. Yes. Yep, That's, I'm a three. Um, nothing to be ashamed of there. I've actually heard that a lot of times from a lot of different threes. So you're in good company. Um, well, and I think one, um, and I was kind of late adding it to the chat, but one thing that's interesting, um, you said that a lot of threes, people don't really know them. And I have found that I don't think I really knew myself until much like later in my adult life, much more recently. Because I never slowed down long enough to like, you know, it was all about efficiency. And so I never really was very introspective about what I, you know, liked or didn't like that kind of thing. So, um, and I found that with some other threes that I know as well. They were like late bloomers because we just didn't slow down to think about stuff. Yeah. 100% agree. Well, I mentioned, uh, I thought I was the one and four, but I had some three. And so it's kind of a toss up between three and four for me because I'm very much both. I'm very much like, you know, Jordan mentioned the whole, all the political ramifications of everything that's going on. She didn't want to mention because she didn't want to rock the boat. I don't want to say it because it makes me mad that people say I need to say something or not say something. And I want it to be very honest and very, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to explain yeah. it, but it's like, how dare you? <laughs> I just want to no, be. It totally makes sense. Individualistic kind of thinking and the creative side, but I'm not like, I'm more three in that I don't have time for emotions. You know, that's that I can't yeah. get bogged down in that. 
<laughs> so I'm just split personality. Yeah. So it's not uncommon for people to have a handful that they think they identify with. So here's how you can determine which one of those is your kind of primary Enneagram type. Um, not to say that the others don't matter, because if you identify with any of these, I, I teach that they all have some uh, significance or weight with you. But at the end of the day, if you were to take those motivations, those core needs, and put them in conflict with each other. So, Amy, just to use you as an example, the need to, like, achieve or perform like a three and the need to be unique and authentic and honest, if those came in conflict with each other, which one would you choose, right? And that's not an easy question to answer, and I'm not even expecting you to necessarily have an answer right now. But if you want to discover, okay, what is my actual core type, then – being able to answer that question, if my core motivations came in conflict with each other, which one would win out? That's how you can determine uh, which is your core number. So, Jacob, any, uh, did you have a thought? I saw you were unmuted there. Oh, uh, I wasn't anticipating identifying with number six, and then my wife brought it to my attention that maybe I was a worst-case scenario thinker um, a lot of times, but I, I don't feel like that was my MO until after the children were born, and then I'm like, okay, I've got to keep these guys alive, and so I automatically think worst-case scenario, what's going to happen? Yeah. So let me ask this. This is kind of on the fly and, you know, feel free to answer as much or as little as you want with this. But before you had kids, would you say that you were a more uh, aggressive person? Have kids made you less aggressive? Absolutely. Yeah. So here's what's happening right here is, and and a lot of you will um, connect with this, I think, is that when you're talking about Enneagram, your number, you'll usually also identify with one of the numbers directly to the left or right of it. So a three with the four, four with a three, six with a seven, things like that. And there's a, a word for that. It's called your wing. Now, again, we don't have time to take a deep dive into that right now. But what typically happens is somewhere in the, you know, quote unquote, middle of life, uh, we actually flip wings and start identifying more with the other number, which is exactly what Jacob was just describing. Uh, I'm thinking before kids, he was probably seven-ish and identified more with the eight. And then kids, kind of that middle of life, you know, road mark uh, is flipping to that more of the six thing uh, is how I would explain that. So yeah, those are great thoughts, Jacob. I appreciate the input on that. One question that I have is what can we do with this information? Like as a business owner, like um, how can I use this to attract people to my business or whatever? So that's actually what we're going to spend most of the rest of this call uh, talking about. And uh, of course, we won't have time to to go into all the different ways it could be, you know, specifically for your business. Um, But hopefully this will give you a little bit of a taste of it. And so um, that's, I kind of want to talk about uh, a little bit of that right now. Uh, First of all, internally, like within your business. Now I know not everybody has a team that they work with. There's some solopreneurs on here for sure, but other people do. Uh, And so, the question that I have for you guys with this is based on uh, which number you think you likely are, share a bit about which numbers you think you personally work best with or don't. I'll go first. Surprise. Um, so I figured out I'm definitely a four first, okay. but I probably work really well with type threes and twos. Okay. Why is that? 
Well, because I do see a lot of the three and two in myself also, and I just think I would be able to gel with them on the same level because it is part of some of my process and thinking. Yeah. Yeah, you know, what's interesting about that, Cheryl, is a lot of times fours, if they don't identify with three, uh, threes and fours have some of the most trouble working together, right? Because fours want to be really authentic and, and real, and threes are able to kind of put on different masks and play different roles. And so that can, that can be a conflict between people sometimes. Oh, as- Amy. <laughs> oh, Amy, we can't have coffee anymore. <laughs> but as you said, you identify with a lot of three stuff as well. And so that helps you bridge the gap there, which is great. Yeah. Okay, good. What else? Uh, as, as whatever number you identify with, what are some of the numbers you think you work best with uh, or not? I need to see that chart again. <laughs> yeah, let's see. I'll throw that back up there. I wrote down one of my best friends. I was like, I think she's probably a six and an eight. And she and I work really well together on some things, but some things it's like, um, I don't have time for that. But like I said, I'm a three and I think she's a six. And so I think we work really well together. Yeah. Hey, can you guys still see me while this is on the screen? Okay, just making sure. Then I'll leave that up there uh, because that can maybe help the conversation as well. Uh, let's see. Chris says uh, that uh, Brady, who's on with him, who's a three, works best with ones. That's awesome. Uh, I, as a one, have worked with a lot of threes and have had both very positive and very negative uh, work relationships with threes. So I love that that Brady as a three is saying he works well with ones. Uh, Chris, who is a one, uh, says that he works best with twos and threes. Oh, well, that's what it was. Brady was just uh, trying to get in good with Chris. Uh, (laughs) Who else? Uh, What number do you think you work well with or struggle with? I feel like my first is probably truly a one. I feel like that side of the spectrum, I can work better with those folks than the ones on the other side. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, um, but I need people who are perfectionists around me. I need people who are wanting to get things done, who are motivated. I don't need yes people. I need thinking people mm, that yeah. are willing to problem solve and be self-motivated. So they've got to have some achiever in them, I feel like. I don't know. Definitely. That's- Makes sense. The, the eternal optimist is very difficult for me to work with. Why is that? <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> I don't know. Ten years of marriage, it makes it difficult. Um, it, it, the, the whole rainbow and sunshine's not nonstop gets. Uh, it's very difficult sometimes. Whenever you have the worst case scenario going through your mind, makes sense. Makes sense. So let me ask this: How might you know knowing about Enneagram, kind of all these different personalities? How might that uh, impact, let's say? Uh, recruitment and turnover for a team or for a company? Having too much of the same mentality would work on certain things, but you want to split it up if you have a diversified workplace because the same thoughts going through everybody's head is, is not going to deal do much for growth as a team. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and you're on to something really good there too is saying that some teams, depending on what the purpose of the team is, might really benefit from having a lot of people that think the same way. But most teams probably aren't that specialized and would benefit more from being more well-rounded. Absolutely. What about retention and turnover? How could Enneagram knowledge uh, or implementation 
help a team or a company with with retention and turnover? You find out what that person's like if they need praise, if they need money, recognition, all that different stuff. Find out what they need in order to feel wanted, and then give that to them individually. Yeah. I've got a client that I work with right now who their motivation like for their teams is they love to give bonuses, right? Which is great. Who doesn't want a bonus, right? Uh, But what I have found with working with them is that some people get really frustrated because they're in this stressful environment and then the boss just throws a little bit of money at them thinking that will make everything better, right? Uh, And so it's, you know, to the boss, the boss is motivated by, buy that kind of stuff. And so for them, it's like, yeah, why, why wouldn't this work? But understanding that different people have different motivations uh, can actually help, help retention and, and decrease turnover. Yeah. One of the things I think of Ryan is we have a client um, that, that in the profession, in the way that we work with them personally, they're our direct contact for the building and they're the people that deal with all the vendors that come in, provide services. And Long story short, the lady that that is sits at the top seat of that facility position, she's very difficult to work for. And I'm not even really sure which one of these numbers she is. I was trying to think about what she is. But all of that to say, all the seats that fall under her have been turning over constantly. And every time that we interact with a new person, it's always like, Oh yeah, I'm so I'm so sad that I got put on her team and da 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 da. da. Mm. And I'm just thinking if the people that were at the top of their organization would understand this lady needs these type of people to work under her or else she's going to drive everyone else off, then maybe they would stop having so much so much turnover in that department, you know? And so yeah. I don't know, I'm just thinking to myself like how do you politely say that to somebody and give them your card and be like, you need to call this guy. He'll help you with this problem because I don't want to say that lady is horrible and hard to work for, but that's what I want to say because it's the truth. Well, you and I will talk about that later (laughs) for sure. Yeah. Cheryl, you had a thought? So Ryan, so I agree. uh, You hit a valid point in, in my company because people run for different things. They motivated like money yeah, the company threw out some big incentives the next two months, but I think people take that as fear or I'm never going to make it or that's not fair because I'm not that good to make that money. So our team leader and our team threw out a different incentive, and it's just these medals that he puts on Facebook. is no monetary value, but I have people on my team that are performing for those medals, and they don't really care if they're making money, extra money with the company. They want those medals. So if we can learn everybody's type and what motivates them, we would know what in, and that prevents the turnover because people will will stay with you and be loyal if they're happy. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm going to get you guys off of here by one o'clock. So we've just got a few more minutes left. Uh, Some other things that I think this can be really helpful with are things like conflict resolution, right? Uh, You could probably start to think how knowing these different things can be really helpful in an office or team environment for conflict resolution. Um, Also, just for leadership in general, I think about if you're a leader of a team and you know who your people are, you know, with this lens, with this kind of information, it changes the way you interact with them and the things that you kind of give them responsibility for and uh, all sorts of different things there. And so there's just a lot of ways this can impact teams uh, in a really uh, beneficial and healthy way. Uh, And I'm going to stay on this call, by the way, for just a few minutes after it's done, just to have any follow-up Q&A that you guys have. 
Um, but last kind of question before we close up is that if you are a leader, it, you know, think about if you are a leader, maybe you are, maybe you're just going to have to imagine it for a second on a team. Uh, how might using this stuff actually change the way you lead your team? Love to hear you guys' thoughts on that. Cheryl, what you got? I have a huge team and sometimes I'm a little overpowering. So, <laughs> so I, I, if I can get them to commit to this, I have two, two people on today, but I really think it would benefit all of us learning each other's numbers because that way we could work better in harmony. We could help each other through all the difficulties, the ups and downs we have in our company. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Amy, you had a thought? Um, well, I have somebody um, a little bit more new to our team, and I've just noticed uh, not any harsh uh, disagreements between another coworker, but just I can tell um, probably just a misunderstanding and motivation. And so if I were able to better understand where both of them are coming from and where and they understood where each other was coming from, then uh, I think there, it'd be a little more harmonious and I guess it probably would give a little more sense of trust, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so much of like conflict and frustration between individuals, I think comes down to miscommunication, right? And again, if you think of it in terms of language, right? Imagine that you have one person that's speaking one language and another person that's speaking another and mistranslations happen all the time, right? And if you as the leader up here know all the different languages that people are speaking, you can help translate for each other and eliminate a huge majority of the miscommunication and conflict that happens between people uh, that's just really unnecessary. Jacob, I see you're unmuted there. Did you have a, a thought? I was not unmuted, but uh, I can I can I can weigh in. I have a very my my part term time help. They're very uh, much high or college kids who don't even need money to survive because they're living off their parents. So I've got to find a way to keep them motivated to work and actually show up on time or show up. Period. So this would definitely help um, figuring out what motivates them to to wake up in the mornings and be somewhere on time. Yeah. Oh, that's great thoughts. I hadn't thought about that specific scenario, so that's really great. Well, again, I'll stay on um, after we finish this up if anybody has any other thoughts or questions. Um, but I do want to thank you guys for being here today. I want to make sure and get you off of here on time as promised. I hope this has been helpful uh, for you. And if there's any way that I can help uh, you or your team or someone else's team that you know in the future, uh, please let me know. Uh, Evergreen offers various training and coaching options uh, to meet different teams' needs. You can find all that information on the website, uh, which is evergreenteams.com. Again, that's E-V-R-G-R-N teams.com. Or you can reach out to me personally. Uh, email's the best. It's hello at evergreenteams.com if you have any other questions. Um, so, yeah. Thanks for being here today, and that will conclude uh, this, this boot camp. Hey, thanks for joining us today on another Enneagram podcast. As fellow leaders, we know it can be frustrating when it seems like you always run into the same problems on your team with the same people. But leaders just like you are learning how to lead their teams better using the Enneagram, and you can too. So if you like what you heard today, we would love it if you would share this podcast on social media. 
and leave a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts, preferably only good you know, reviews and ratings. That would be great. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram. We're at another Enneagram or head over to our website, anotherenneagram.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode of another Enneagram podcast.